Welcome to Brit David Podcast as we continue our walk through the book of Luke as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 9 verses 37 through 45 entitled Coming Down from the Mountain. We've all had those mountaintop experiences and boy are they wonderful. But we have also faced the times of coming back to reality, coming back to the real world so to speak. More often than not, a mountaintop experience is followed by some form of trouble. Can you learn what you need to on the top in order to win the battle in the valley? Here's Pastor Tim. Hope you have your Bible today. Take it to Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. We've been working our way verse by verse through this incredible gospel. And we come to a point today which feeds directly off where we were last week. So last week, we got to see Jesus take Peter, James, and John up on top of this mountain where the Bible says that he was transfigured, that Jesus' appearance was changed, that, he, that, that the people got to see his glory uh, revealed. It was an amazing, amazing thing that they got to see, and, and they got to see uh, Moses and Elijah show up there on the mountain with them, which was a good reminder to us that one of these days we do get to heaven that we will know one another. Because they didn't have to introduce themselves to Moses and Elijah. They already just simply knew who they were. And you'll know your loved ones as well. Well, when we come to verse number 37 today, we find this. It says, now it happened on the next day when they came down from the mountain. And then the sentence is going to continue. It's just a reminder for us that we don't stay on the mountain all the time. Now, literally, I mean literally and physically, Peter, James, John, and Jesus are going to come down from the mountain. But also figuratively, they're going to come down from the mountain. In other words, that we don't live on these mountaintop experiences all the time. We want to, you know? I mean, we love the mountaintop experiences. We love the times when everything in life just is great. It just doesn't always work that way, does it? People don't live on top of the mountain. People live down in the valley. And sometimes when you come down off of a mountaintop experience, that, that, shudder, that shudder jarring back into reality can be really, really tough to handle. I mean, just think about it for a moment. Peter, James, and John have just seen the glory of God on display. In fact, Peter's going to write about it later on in one of his epistles, and he's going to say, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I mean, for them to go through this experience was incredible. But now it's time for them to come down. And when they come down, they're going to find a whole host of people with a whole bunch of needs. In fact, look, if you will, at the end of verse number 37. It says, they happened the next day when they came down from the mountain that a great multitude met Jesus. In other words, they're waiting for him. They're waiting for him to come down because they have needs that they know that Jesus is able to meet. Now, what you discover is, is that sometimes when you come down off of a mountaintop experience, that there are a few things that you will face, and most oftentimes those things revolve around needs. And what we may refer to as needy people is people who have desperate needs and they're looking to you for some answers. It's a way of bringing us right back into life. You know what it is that makes coming down off the mountain so difficult? Coming down off of a mountaintop experience 
it makes the valley seem deeper. It makes the enemy seem stronger. It, it makes, it, it makes your, 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 your problems seem bigger. And it just seems to make life in general more difficult. You know, you've enjoyed those moments and now here comes trouble, right? That's where we begin. I will give you four things today. Number one is this. Sometimes when you come down off of the mountaintop, you may find trouble. You may find trouble. And that's what the disciples find when they come down off the mountain. We see this great multitude that's there, but there's one person in particular with one specific need that really shows the kind of trouble that they're meeting. Look, if you will, in verse number 38. It says, suddenly, a man from the multitude cried out saying, teacher, I implore you, Look on my son, for he is my only child. Now, he's going to keep talking, but let me stop there for just a moment. A few weeks ago, we were in this passage in Luke where Jesus and his disciples are walking through this humongous crowd. You know, I mean, people are clamoring for Jesus. There's all this stuff that's going on. And Jesus stops in the middle of that and says, somebody touched me. You know, <laughs> and Peter just laughs. He says, Jesus, how can you say, how can you say who touched me? When all these people around, everybody seems to be touching you. He says, I felt power go out from me. There was somebody specific in that crowd, not only who touched Jesus, but who needed a touch from Jesus. In this case, the crowd that's there, you know that it's loud. They're talking to one another. They're trying to get Jesus' attention. Jesus! Jesus! Everybody's yelling from every kind of direction. People probably are reaching out, trying to touch him even then. And suddenly, the Bible says, what a great word, suddenly, Jesus stops and listens to the voice of just one person. Let me stop for just a moment and share this with you. There's sometimes when you think that everybody else's problems are bigger than yours, where maybe you think that God's more interested in somebody else than he is in you. Maybe because you've come to him time after time after time, or, or maybe you've come to him and you've not kept your promises, and so you think that he doesn't think about you the way that he used to, that he's more interested in listening to somebody and helping somebody else more than he is you. Here's the truth that just rattles my mind that I cannot, I cannot get my little finite mind wrapped around. All right? If I'm praying and I'm talking to Jesus... Jesus gives me his undivided attention. You know, I mean, first of all, that in itself is amazing, right? But then if you're doing that and the person right next to you is praying, guess what? He gives them his undivided attention. Somebody else who's sitting on the opposite inside of the church, they're praying, and Jesus is giving them his undivided attention. And somebody across town is praying at the very same time and he gives them his undivided attention. And somebody on the other side of the world is praying with all kind of points in between. And Jesus gives them his undivided attention. You know the most important person to Jesus is? You. You are. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to listen to you. And so he will give you his undivided attention. 
even when everything else around you is loud. You come down off that mountain, you're jarred back into reality. You may find trouble, but know this, Jesus is listening. Jesus knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the trouble that you may find. And I want you to look at that trouble with me here in verse number 38. As the dad, the man, it simply says, begins to speak, he says, Teacher, I implore you. What does that mean? It means I beg you. Jesus, I am begging you. You ever been there? Jesus, I beg you to do this for me. Look, it's not something simply to do for the dad. He says, I beg you, I implore you to look on my son. Look at this. For he is my only child. This father's desperate, isn't he? This father's in trouble. This boy is in trouble. And they have come down off of this mountain, and that's the trouble that they find. We talked last week some about what their conversation might have been like going up the mountain. You know? Can you imagine what their conversation was like coming down from the mountain? The Bible says immediately after that transfiguration event that even Peter couldn't say anything. I mean, they were totally quiet. But you know coming down off that mountain, they want to know about Moses. They want to know about Elijah. They want to know about heaven. They want to know about the glory. They want to know about the cross that Jesus was talking about. They want to know all of those things. And they've got Jesus' undivided attention for a while. Nobody else is around them. Now suddenly everybody else is around them and everybody seems to have need and everybody seems to be in trouble. Does that ever make you just want to back up from people? You know what? Everybody's got problems. You know? Just, just, just handle your business. I'll handle my business. That's not what we've been called to do as believers. We've been called to bear the burdens of one another. That we're to help one another especially in times of trouble. You can hear the pain in the words of this father as he desperately begs Jesus to help him. Look at what he says in verse number 39. This is the statement. This is what has the boy in trouble and this is what has the father desperate. Behold, a spirit seizes him. And he suddenly cries out, it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and bruising him, it departs from him with great difficulty. Now before you read that and you say, well I know what he's talking about. You know, I know somebody who has seizures. You know, and they fall down and sometimes they have foam. And, 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 and so that's, it's not a spirit, it's a medical condition. That's not what the Bible says. And in fact, in just a few verses, that's not what Jesus will say. Be careful to read into the Bible and say, well, I I know. I mean, I know what's going on. I know the Bible, right? Well, then treat the Bible like the Bible. If it says that a spirit has seized him, then guess what? It's not just a medical condition, is it? This boy has a demon. And this this father knows that that boy needs to be delivered. When you come down off the mountain, you may find trouble, more trouble than you've ever had, and more trouble than you ever bargained for. But here's some really sad news. (laughs) That might not be the end of it. Because you might find trouble, but number two, 
You may falter in tragedy. You may falter in tragedy. I mean, compounding the trouble is what we're going to read in verse number 40. Compounding this father's worries is what we read in verse number 40. And it's not just the fact now that the father is so torn up that the father understands tragedy and trouble. It's the failure on the part of the disciples. Look at what verse number 40 says. It's the dad. He's still talking. You know, he's still telling Jesus, you know, I'm begging you, and this is the problem. And then he says in verse number 40, so I implored. You see that word again? It's the same word he would use for Jesus, right? He came to Jesus and says, Jesus, I beg you. This is my only child. I'm begging you to do something. Well, it's sometime before. They come to the disciples, the representatives of Jesus. And what he done with them? He begged them. He implored them the very same thing. Disciples, I'm begging you to do something about my little boy. And look at what the Bible says. Here comes the real tragedy. I implored your disciples to cast it out. But they could not. The problem is compounded by powerless disciples. Powerless to meet the needs. Powerless really to identify Jesus at that point. Can I show you something? I have to turn my page. Maybe you do. Would you go back with me to the very first verse of this chapter? Luke chapter number 9 and verse number 1. To me, this verse makes verse number 40 really stand out as a real problem and a real problem that the church today has. In chapter number 9, as it begins, Jesus is going to gather his 12 together and he's going to send them out. And he's going to send them out into all these communities to do something specific. Look at what he says in verse number 1. Then Jesus called his 12 disciples together And gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And they're going to go off on this mission trip. And guess what they're going to do? (laughs) They're going to cast out demons. And they're going to cure diseases. And they're going to preach the kingdom of God. And they're going to come back and tell Jesus all the great things that they were able to do. And we get 40 verses later. And now they can't. You ever wonder, you ever wonder why the church today doesn't look like the church in Acts? You ever wonder today why God's not saving somebody in the church every single day? You ever wonder why some of the miracles that we read about in the book of Acts, you don't hear about in reports, you don't see on Facebook or anything that's going on here? I think a lot of it has to do with what happens between verse number 1 and verse number 40. See, Jesus gave them two things. He gave them power, and He gave them authority. If they have power to do, ability to do, and yet no authority to do it, they're, they're an untapped resource. I think sometimes we see that today. We see people who are untapped resources and we know that God himself becomes an untapped resource when we don't pray like we ought to. 
then what if a person has authority but no power, no ability? Well, you see that in Washington, you see it in Atlanta, you see it in downtown Columbus. People who have been given authority but who are powerless. Let me tell you this, it doesn't just happen in those capital places, it happens inside the life of the church. We have been given authority. We have been given power. And yet we see things continue to stay just as they are. Talk about a tragedy. The church ought to look more like it does in the book of Acts. He's still God. He still acts. He still speaks. We want to see him do something that only he can do. I find it greatly encouraging that even in the disciples' failure, that Jesus is about to act. You know, my failure to use my power, my failure to use the authority that God's given to me, does not keep him from acting. He can still do, despite who I am and despite what I've done or not done. Look, if you will, in verse number 41. It says, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Or how long shall I put up with you? You know, his words are not, you know, like what I want them to be. You know, I want him to say all the time, Tim, it's okay. Tim, it's okay. I, I know. You just, you, you know, you're just weak sometimes, and, and it, it's going to be okay. Don't, don't worry about it. That's not what Jesus says to them. He calls them faithless and perverse, which means that they look more like the world than they do like the church. And amen, oh me, that's us, isn't it? Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares the conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 9, verses 37 through 45 entitled, Coming Down from the Mount. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.